to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. How many of you were here this past Sunday as I preached a message entitled Fresh Perspective? Fresh Perspective and how God is desiring to deposit within us as his sons and his daughters exactly that, a fresh perspective, a fresh perspective of God's purpose, of God's presence, of God's provision, of God's protection, and of God's power. We also discuss the account in 2 Kings chapter 6, of how the prophet Elisha prayed that the eyes of his servant would be opened to see beyond the here and now and to see that there was in fact more for them than there was against them. Then we also talked about how there is a distinct difference between reality and truth. There's a distinct difference between your reality and between the truth of God's Word. How many knows that the truth of this Word always trumps our reality? Amen? So I want to continue along the same lines this morning, if you want to call it part two of of that particular subject. But instead of talking about fresh perspective... This morning we are going to preach on the subject of heaven's perspective. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, get ready. God's about to give you heaven's perspective. How many believes that today? Come on, how many knows that the word of God that's going forth is changing hearts, is changing lives, is changing families, amen. The word of God is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Can somebody say amen? How many of you love God's word today? So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 16. And when you find that, say amen. It says this, therefore we do not lose hearts. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're facing today. But I come to encourage you, it's not time to give up. Come on, you didn't hear what I said. I said it's not time to give in or to give up. The Apostle Paul, as he was addressing the Corinthian church by the inspiration and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what he told them in the midst of their perilous times and persecutions. He said, we do not lose heart. We do not give up. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. How many can testify to the point of what the man of God said right here, even though the outward man seems to be perishing? You know, some of you, you got up and you, you crackled, snapped, and popped more than a bowl of Rice Krispie treats. Come on. You know, what, you know what the man of God is talking about. Even though our outward man is perishing, hallelujah, yet the inward man, the spirit man, is being renewed day by day. Look at this. For our light affliction, which is but for 
a moment. What is, what is the apostle saying right here? Whatever it is that you're going through right now, whatever it is that you are facing right now, realize it's not going to last forever. Realize that it's only going to be for a season. It's only going to be for a, uh, a moment. The psalmist David said it best. He said, weeping may endure for a night. But joy is coming in the morning. I don't know about you, but I believe there's about to be a transition of your season before you leave this place today. Just as in the natural, just a few days ago on June the 21st, we went from spring and we transitioned into summer. I believe that everything that God is doing in the earth, everything he's doing in his kingdom, everything he's doing by his spirit, he will always manifest it in the natural. So just as this past week we transitioned from one season to the next, I feel like somebody in this house today is about to have a season transition in your life. Who am I talking to today? He said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal Weights of glory. You see, God always specializes in taking even what the enemy orchestrated for your demise, for your annihilation, and turning it around and allowing it to be a stepping stone, allowing it to be a platform for you to be able to minister to multitudes. You say, well, I, I, I never stand in a pulpit like you are today, in the spotlight, in the microphone. That's all right, honey. That, that may not be your thing, but wherever it is that God has planted your feet, let me tell you, that's your platform. That's your ministry. And nothing is going to be wasted in your life. Everything that you are facing, everything that you are going through, God is going to use it as a testimony to tell somebody else about the wonder-working power of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? It's working for a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look, listen to this, while we do not look at the things which are seen, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. What was the apostle saying as he was speaking to the Corinthian church? This is what he was saying if we had to Put it down into our terminology, I believe. In other words, what he was saying is that there's more to your story. Come on, I wish somebody would get with me today. I said, in other words, what the man of God was saying is that there's more to your story than just the current chapter that you happen to find yourself in. There's more to your story than just the chapters of pain, of heartache, of betrayal, of sickness and of failure. Some of you, you find yourself right there in the middle of that kind of a chapter that's full of agony, that's full of confusion, that's full of frustration. And the devil is screaming in your mind and he's screaming in your ear that this is how it's going to be. 
that this is how it's going to end. Some of you right now, you, you, you're contemplating things that you never thought you would contemplate. And the enemy's telling you, why don't you just end it all? Why don't you just take your own life because nobody cares? Because nobody's even concerned about what you're going through. Nobody else is facing things like you're facing. I come to let somebody know today that the devil is a liar. I said he's the father of all lies. And I want somebody to know today that you shall not die in this chapter that you're in. But you shall live and you shall declare the works of the Lord. I wish somebody would just turn the page of your story and realize that on the other page, in the next chapter, there's glory, there's power, there's healing, there's restoration, there's anointing. He's saying there's more to your story. What was he saying? He's saying that these things are just temporary. They are only going to last but just for a moment. He was letting them know, do not allow yourself to become distracted with your current season. That you fail to realize that greater is coming. Don't allow yourself to be bogged down by your current chapter that you fail to realize that there's another chapter of glory that is on the way. The Holy Spirit today wants to download within us heaven's perspective. Did you hear what I said? I said the Holy Ghost today wants to download, wants to deposit within us Heaven's perspective. What is perspective? Last week I told you perspective has everything to do with vision and with attitude. Perspective is a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something or someone. It is a point of view. The advancement and the success of your life, of your marriage, of your family of your business, your career, and your ministry is going to be determined by your perspective. Did you hear what I said? The advancement and the success of everything that is involving you is going to be directly determined by your perspective. And you see, that's why before you leave today, if you receive it from the Holy Spirit, He's going to give you a brand new perspective. He's going to give you... The perspective of heaven. Now, if you know me and you know our ministry, before we came here to be on staff at Set Free Church in 2020, most of my 20-some-odd years of ministry has been serving as an evangelist, a revivalist, a missionary, and God has blessed me and my family and afforded us tremendous opportunities to take this gospel to so many different various nations all across this globe. India, Ghana, West Africa, all over Latin America. And I give God the praise for those opportunities to help advance his gospel and to advance his kingdom. And one thing that I have realized through the years of traveling, you know, on commercial airlines and planes and so forth, that there's a difference between ground level view and between an aerial view. How many knows what I'm talking about? I say that there's a difference between ground level view and between an aerial view. You see, the common cruising altitude for most commercial airplanes 
is between 33,000 and 42,000 feet. I can hear some of you this morning saying, that's why I'm not about to get on one of them. I said between 33,000 and 42,000 feet or between about six and nearly eight miles above sea level. That's the common altitude of a commercial airliner. You see, when you are walking on your own two feet, you are able to only see what is directly before you or surrounding you. When you got on your God-given feet and you walked into this place, all you are able to see is what is directly before you or what is directly surrounding you. How many knows what I'm talking about? But when you are on a plane, you then have a unique advantage of being able to see the whole picture. I wish somebody would help me in this place. You see, you have a limited perspective. You have a limited viewpoint if all you do is to remain flat-footed on God's green creation. All you can see is what is before you. All you can see is surrounding you. But if you ever get enough courage to get on a commercial airplane and you begin to elevate to higher altitudes and higher places and higher positions, all of a sudden you get a unique advantage of being able to see things from a brand new perspective. You see things that are miles and miles away. You see things from an aerial viewpoint. In other words, you get the opportunity to see the big picture. And you see, that's why a lot of us today, we are stuck in the mess that we are in. We are stuck in our current chapter because we have become consumed with the here and now. We have become consumed with the negative reports that we have received from doctors and from family members and so on and so forth, forth that all we can do is see what is directly before us. All we are consumed with is what is happening around us. But I'm telling you today, if you will receive the wind of the Holy Spirit and you'll mount up with wings as of eagles, you'll get a whole new advantage of a viewpoint. And you'll not just be consumed with what is before you, with the confusion and the wars and the chaos and the destruction. But all of a sudden, you'll get an aerial viewpoint and you'll begin to see the entire puzzle. You'll begin to see the entire picture and you'll realize like never before that the God that we're serving is Alpha and he is Omega. He is the beginning and the end and although you don't know what is before you, although it's dark all around you and you don't know if you can take one more step, when you begin to mount up with wings as eagles, you'll see God for who he really is and you'll see his plan and his purpose that he is working in your life. My God. Hallelujah. You see, that's why we can stand upon and declare a scripture such as Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You know that scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says it like this. And we know. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I know. That all things work together for good to those who love God. 
to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, now we've memorized that. We've got that within our heart and within our spirit. We stand on that. We declare that in times of calamity, in times of confusion, in times of darkness. But let me tell you today, notice what the scripture said. It said that all things. It didn't say some of the things. It didn't say just the pretty things and and just the good things, but it said that all things. What does that mean? That means that God is going to take every detail of your life. He's going to take every season of your life. He's going to take every chapter of your life. He's going to take the good things, the bad things, the ugly things, and the painful things, and he's going to make a beautiful tapestry out of it. Come on, somebody. I said he's going to paint a beautiful picture out of it. I'm telling you, God's not just interested in the good moments, in the good seasons, in the good things, but God's interested even in those bad seasons, even in those times. And those areas of your life where you feel like you're not going to make it another day. Where you feel like depression has grabbed a hold of you. Where fear and anxiety has grabbed a hold of you. And the devil is screaming, it's over. Your marriage is over. This sickness is going to kill you. People are going to leave you. They're going to abandon you. They're going to walk out of you. I said our God specializes in taking all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the painful, and he makes it for for our good. Some of you have had a challenging year. Some of you have faced things this past year that you never thought you would face. But I'm telling you what, you've got a testimony that I'm still standing, that I'm still here. Come hell or high water, the grace of God has brought me through, through many dangers, toils and stairs. I have already come, and it's only because of his grace and his mercy. Notice Romans 8, 28. It didn't say that all things will look good. I wish somebody had helped me today. It didn't say that all things will sound good. See, there's been a lie in the prosperity gospel arena that'll tell you, well, if you just give enough, if you just sow your seed enough, I believe in sowing seed. Come on. I believe in giving. But if you just do A, B, and C, and you'll really sell out, surrender to God, that everything's just going to be fine. That no sickness will come nigh your dwelling. That there'll be no heartache. That there'll be no betrayal. That there'll be no more pain. How's that working for you? Am I the only one? Come on. I could tell y'all some things on this pulpit today that'll blow your mind of what I've been going through this past week. And I know you could probably share some worse things. But you know what I found to be true? God didn't promise it to be a tiptoe through the tulips. He didn't promise it to be a stroll through the park. But one thing I know, come hell or high water, he said, I'll never leave you. He said, I'll never abandon you. He said, I'll go with you to the very end of the world. Glory to God. I said, he didn't say all things are going to look good. All things are going to sound good. But nonetheless, this is what he said. He said, it will work together for your good. It'll work together for our good. And it'll work together for his glory. 
I like the way the Passion Translation reads this same passage of Scripture in Romans 8, 28. It says this, so we are convinced that every detail, every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Every detail, every detail of your life is being woven together for your good. You say, Pastor, you don't know what, what news I got this week of devastation. How in the world could this be for my good? I didn't say that. God said it. His word said it. And I come out and let somebody know that our God's not a man that he shall lie. But that which he has said and that which he has spoken, he will perform it. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. But he's going to take everything, even that thing that is about killed you, that is about to destroy you. And he's going to take it and he's going to make it for your good and for his glory. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. I'm talking about heaven's perspective. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. When you have it, say amen. The word of the Lord says this. If then you were raised with Christ. How many has been born again in this place? How many have been washed in the blood? How many has become the home of the Holy Spirit? If then you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are where? Above. Seek those things which are above. See, I don't understand these Christians that are always grabbing for temporary things. That's always lusting and, and full of greed for, for materialistic things. Let me tell you, God will bless his people. There's not a need that my God has not met. There's not a, a, a need that my God has not supplied. God will bless his people. God will provide for his people. But I'm telling you what, it should not be our ambition to seek after materialistic and temporary things. God right here in his word says that those who have been raised with Christ ought to seek after those things which are above. Not those things that are on the earth. I like the way the, mes the message translates that scripture. It says this, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, then act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things that are right in front of you, but look up. Somebody look at your neighbor say, neighbor, look up and be alert to what God is doing and what he is going on around Christ. For that's where the action is. See things from his perspective. In other words, see things from heaven's perspective. You say, you don't need me to tell you this today, but... Today, there is a constant battle for your mind and your hearts. Did you hear what I said? I said there's a constant warfare, a tug of war, a battle that is going on in the spiritual realm that is trying to get the attention of your mind and of your heart. News channels, social media platforms, 
Various causes, movements, and political parties are all fighting for you to come into agreement with their perspective. Hello? Hello? See, some of y'all are so loyal. Oh, my God. (laughs) Y'all know I don't care. Some of y'all are so loyal to Fox News. Oh, my God. Some of y'all are so loyal to CNN, to the right wing, to the left wing, that you have allowed secular media, culture, and society to warp your brain, to twist your perspective, that all you do is see things through the lens of a political party or of a political agenda. Nobody's helping me in this house today. If you would get deliverance from that garbage in your life. I remember there was an elder in my grandpa's church, 90-something years old. His name was Colonel Bullwhip. And he told me a long time ago, he said, son, I sanctified my television many years ago. I said, how did you do that? He said, I unplugged it. I'm telling you, if you unplug that garbage in your life, and if you receive the download of the perspective of heaven, it'll change your life. It'll change the way you perceive things. I'm just trying to help somebody today. Turn it off. Y'all over here scrolling through TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and you so consumed with what's going on all around you. You spending more time in that than in this right here and you wonder why you ate up in depression, fear, and anxiety. I said turn it off. Deactivate it. They're fighting for your perspective. They're pulling for your perspective. They're pulling to indoctrinate you and to influence you. They want you to see their perspective of various social issues, causes, and worldviews. But at the very same time, God, the Holy Spirit, is also calling you to come into agreement with His perspective. Huh? See, the problem, you heard me say this before. The problem, the reason why you can't hear His voice is because you consume with their voice. The reason why you can't hear his voice is because all you are hearing is the growls of the wolves. That's the reason why you can't hear your shepherd's voice. My Bible says, my sheep shall know my voice, and another they will not follow. And why are so many of God's children following everything else but the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Well, Dr. Phil told me. Oprah Winfrey told me that's your problem because you're too busy worshiping personalities my God then you are worshiping the one who created it all and how many knows your creator knows you and knows what you need more than any nut job in this world well I gotta go see my shrink after this that's your problem I don't need no shrink. All I need is the comfort of the counselor who is a Holy Ghost. Jesus. I said they're fighting for your attention. They're fighting to indoctrinate and to influence your perspective. But all the while the Holy Spirit is saying, come, listen to my still small voice. 
let me influence you. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. Let me direct you. You see, he wants you to have a heavenly lens by which you see the world around you. You see, the truth is we have a choice each day, every day. Every day God graces you to get up another morning. We have a choice to make. Whose perspective will we come into agreement with? Whose perspective will we come into agreement with? So many are absolutely consumed with the gross darkness that is covering the earth right now that they cannot see the glory of God that is also simultaneously covering the earth. Did you hear what I said? I said so many of God's people today are consumed with the gross darkness that is covering the earth. I'm not denying that. I'm not sticking my head in the sand somewhere and, and, and thinking we're, we're in some glorious utopia. There is gross darkness that is covering the earth. But let me tell you something. I refuse to be consumed with what the devil is doing in the earth that I fail to realize that my God is on the throne of heaven, that he rules and he reigns, and that he is moving in a greater way than the enemy is. Well, Pastor, did you see what's happening in Washington, D.C.? Did you see what so-and-so said on the, on the news media? Did you see what this one said and that one said? And You know, people are so consumed with what the devil is doing. I know we can't be ignorant of his schemes and his devices, but let me tell you, I'm not going to be so consumed with darkness that I fail to realize that there's a light that is invading our culture, that is invading our society. And I come by to let somebody know today that light always outweighs darkness, that light is greater than darkness. You let them cut these natural lights off in this building, it'll be as black as sin. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. Matter of fact, I'm crazy enough to do that. Cut these lights off just for a moment. I don't want to scare nobody. Cut them off. All over. No light. Now, I know we can't probably help these, so I just failed the test. <laughs> but if we were able to cut these off without creating havoc, it would be pitch black darkness. But all of a sudden, the lights come on. Come on, turn them back on. Turn them back on. All of a sudden, the lights come back on. And guess what happens to the darkness? There's no tug of war. There's no battle. There's no war. The light drives back the darkness. It eradicates the darkness. And I come out and let somebody know today that heaven is on the move, that the angelic army is on the move. And no matter what the devil orchestrates, it shall not prevail or it shall not prosper. Our God is greater. The king still has one more move. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, he's still got one more move. My God. My God. You see, there are many in the kingdom today that are desiring to retreat. That are desiring to hide. That are desiring to hoard up. How many knows what I'm talking about? These doom and gloom end time fanatics hoarding up cans of green beans and corn and chopped carrots. 
I'm not knocking you if that's your thing. Let it get too bad, I might come knocking on your door. <laughs> but because of the gross darkness that's covering the earth, that's the mentality they have. Pastor, we got to go into seclusion. We got to go bunker down. Come on, you done build a, you done build a, a bunker in your backyard for you to go hide in and to retreat and to hoard up. But there's nowhere in this Bible that I see where God calls his, calls his, his people to hide, to retreat, and to hoard. What I see in this Bible is that God has called us to arise, to shine, and to give. Did you hear what I said? Not to retreat and to hide and to hoard up. But he calls us to arise, to shine, and to give. Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 and 2 says this. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. There it is. We ought not to be surprised with what's going on in our culture and our society. It was predicted thousands of years ago. Gross darkness shall cover the earth. But what did he go on and say? And deep darkness the people. But the Lord, but the Lord, but the Lord will arise over you. And his glory will be seen among you. I'm not concerned with the gross darkness that is invading our culture and our society. Yes, I pray against it. Yes, I intercede against it. Yes, I speak against it. Yes, I plead the blood against it. But I'm not going to be consumed by that. That I fail to realize that the Bible also says in the book of Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. That my glory shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I'm telling you before we get raptured out of this place there's going to be the greatest move of God that you've ever witnessed that you've ever seen that you've ever felt that you've ever experienced and it's going to bring in your prodigal sons and your prodigal daughters believe that if you will I choose to ever heard the old saying don't be so heavenly minded that you are of no earthly good. Anybody ever told you that? You ever told anybody that? I understand that. I understand that. Let me tell you what that phrase doesn't mean. Listen to me. Let me tell you what that phrase doesn't mean. Don't be so heavily minded that you know earthly good does not mean being distracted and distant from your family. Uh-oh. And your close friends in order to constantly pursue spiritual things. Huh? There's so many people that are so spiritual. Got so many Holy Ghost goosebumps running up and down their spine. That they don't even know how to have a normal conversation with their family. You, you ain't ready for that. You ain't ready for that. Let me tell you, God called us to be salt and light to this earth. And if you can't even communicate to your spouse, if you can't communicate to your children, if you can't have a normal conversation with your grandchildren, I'm afraid what you've got, it ain't the Holy Ghost. It's just some other ghost. God is calling us to be communicators of his love, of his gospel. Don't ever get to a place that you can't even be normal around people. 
always spooky stuff going on all around you. You see demons behind every bush. Let me tell you something. I know the kingdom of darkness is real. I know he's gained, seemingly gaining territory all around this world. I know we have an obligation to be, engage in spiritual warfare but don't you ever allow yourself to get to a point that you can't have a normal conversation about life with other people. Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean forgetting to take care of your family. Are your basic responsibilities that are needed to survive. So many people that are consumed with what's going on around them in the world. People come to me, well, I, I just feel like I got to resign from my position, my job. I feel like I got to, you know, I got to do this and I got to do that. Let me tell you something. You go ahead and do that. But when you do that, don't be coming here talking about, can you pay my light bill? Because I'm, I'm afraid the Holy Ghost didn't tell you to do that. Because my Bible says if you can't even provide for your household, then you might as well sit down anyways. Hello? Nobody's saying nothing today. You better learn to take care of the necessities and the needs of the family that you chose to have. Shoo, 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 shoo. Nobody's saying nothing. I'm trying to help some of us today. That's what, that's what this phrase doesn't mean. Let me tell you what it also doesn't mean. It doesn't mean being lazy and forgetful. Huh? I said it doesn't mean being lazy and forgetful. It doesn't mean being habitually late to appointments, to work, to important things because you are busy praying or doing spiritual things. It doesn't mean that. Hello? You see, to have heaven's perspective, to be heavenly minded, means that a person sees the world around them through the lens of heaven and allows that perspective to affect every thought, every action, every decision that they make in order to make the greatest impact here and in the age to come. That's what it means to have heaven's perspective. So how do we gain heaven's perspective. I'm going to give you two things and I'm going to get out of the way. How do we gain heaven's perspective? Number one, in order to gain heaven's perspective, we must walk in the revelation that we are citizens of heaven. Did you hear what I said? In order for us to gain heaven's perspective, we must walk in the revelation that according to this Bible, that we are citizens of heaven. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says it like this. For our, citizens, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not what it said? Our citizenship is in heaven. I come by to remind somebody today that you're just a stranger passing through. This is not your final destination. And I come to help somebody today. When you pass from this life, you're not coming back reincarnated as a butterfly either. 
Your citizenship is in heaven. And if you want heaven's perspective, you've got to walk in that revelation that I'm just a foreigner passing through, that I'm just a stranger passing through. This earth is not my home. Heaven is my destination. I am a citizen of heaven. You see, the understanding of our position as children of God will change everything. It'll change your perspective. It'll change your viewpoint. It'll change the way that you act and react with culture and society when you get a proper understanding of your position in Christ Jesus. When the diagnosis comes, it's not going to devastate you. Because you realize that you a winner either way. If I get my healing this side of heaven, or if I get my healing when I take this last breath, I promise you no matter which way it is, you're going to be healed. You're going to be whole because you realize who you are in God. You realize your position as a child of God. You see, when we are aware of our citizenship in heaven, People will notice there is something different about our lives. They will notice that we actually have access to the resources of our homeland everywhere that we go. Did you hear what I said? I said if you want heaven's perspective, you got to walk in the revelation that you are a citizen of, citizen of heaven. And when you walk in that revelation that you are a citizen of heaven, people will begin to take notice. People will see you have a different countenance. People will see you have a different demeanor. People will see you have a different attitude. When they used to rub you the wrong way, you wanted to cuss them out. But now because you know who you are in God and who he is in you and you know you're just a pilgrim passing through, you're not seeking vengeance. You're not seeking to get even because you realize not every battle's worth fighting, baby. Because you realize that the very resources of heaven belong to you. And when you find yourself in troublesome times, in perilous times, you know just like I said last Sunday that I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging for bread. That God said, I shall supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. God's not going to abandon you. He's not going to let you go under. Get a grip. Do you know who you're serving? Do you know who you belong to? We're citizens of heaven. And heaven is for us. Somebody looks at your neighbor and say, heaven is for me. Number two, if you want to gain heaven's perspective, not only must you walk in the revelation that we are citizens of heaven, but you must walk in the revelation of who and what is on the inside of you. Did you hear what I said? If you want heaven's perspective, you got to walk in the revelation of who and what is on the inside of you. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21 says it like this. Now when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and he said this. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. But look at this revelation. For indeed, the kingdom of God is where? Is where? It is within you. Did you hear what he just said? He said that the kingdom of God, you so many times we get called up with, you know, where, where is it at? Where, where, where's God at? Where, what's he doing? Where's the kingdom? 
You know, where's the revival? Where's the awakening? Where's the miracles? Where's the signs? Where's the wonders? Let me tell you, everything that you are looking for, everything that you are praying for, everything that you are sowing for, everything that you are fasting for, it's already locked up on the inside of you. You didn't hear what I said today. I said the revival you're believing for, it's locked up on the inside of you. The awakening you're believing for, it's locked up on the inside of you. The miracle, the sign. The wonder that you're fasting for, it's already on the inside of you. He said the kingdom is within you. It's within us. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but what is it? It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Everything that the kingdom exists uh, with, everything that the kingdom is founded upon, is already locked up on the inside of you. Kingdom power, kingdom dominion, kingdom authority is already on the inside of you. And guess what? It's your assignment. It's your assignment to manifest the kingdom of God on this earth. Did you hear what I said? I said it's your assignment to take that which has been deposited on the inside of you and to reveal it to the world to manifest it to the world that's why when the disciples came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and they said teacher teach us how to pray he said this is how you ought to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as what as it is in heaven. What does that mean? That heaven is locked up on the inside of you. That is kingdom is locked up on the inside of you. It came in you the moment you were born again, that you were washed in the blood of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit made his abode within you, the kingdom came on the inside of you. You didn't hear what I said. When the Holy Spirit made his abode in you, all of heaven came on the inside of you. And that's why Jesus told his disciples, when you pray, don't you forget to release the kingdom. Don't you forget to demand. It's not a suggestion but when you pray in the name of Jesus you say kingdom come kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven can I tell you in heaven there is no sickness there is no disease there is no cancer there are no morticians in heaven there is no divorce court in heaven there's no bankruptcy I'm telling you it's time we begin to manifest heaven on this earth you receive the report of the enemy if you want the report of the doctor if you want the report of the banker if you want but as for me and my house I say kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because I got a revelation of what's on the inside of me and it's, it's his kingdom his kingdom and we're called to manifest that kingdom here on this earth I want the praise team to come at this time as I close with this last thoughts let me tell you about a man who walked in the perspective of heaven. This man's name was Stephen. And his story is found in chapter 6 and 7 of the book of Acts. A mighty man of God. You remember the story of Stephen? 
For the sake of time, I won't read the entire account, but Stephen was chosen, handpicked by the apostles to be one of the first ever deacons in the New Testament church. He was chosen to be a deacon, one of the first ever deacons in the New Testament church. This man, Stephen, was, the Bible says, was full of faith, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of man that I want to be, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen was a man of great power who performed many great wonders and signs according to the Scriptures. And as a result, Stephen became a threat to the kingdom of darkness itself. And not only to the kingdom of darkness, but he became a threat to the religious system of his day. In the fact that many rose against this man of God. Many rose against this man to try and stop him. But how many knows they failed? What am I saying to you today? It doesn't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter who's spreading lies and gossip about you. It's going to fall on deaf ears. It's not going to take root. It's not going to produce fruit. They tried to stop the man of God, but they failed. So then what did they do? They didn't give up. They were relentless. They began to spread rumors, lies, and false accusations against the man of God until the religious hierarchy of that day seized him and brought him, according to the Bible, brought him before the council. Stephen, as the man of God that he was, full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost, he preached a very real, raw, and convicting message to the council that cut straight into the core of their hearts. What were the response of the council and the religious hierarchy of that day? It wasn't repentance. They did not repent, but their hatred increased, according to the Bible, to the point that they took Stephen outside of the city and they stoned the man of God to death. Stephen became one of the very first martyrs to die for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 54 through 56, it says this, and I repeat. When they heard these things, the council were cut to their hearts. And the Bible says, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Can you imagine the demonic expression that was upon their face? They gnashed at him with their teeth. They tried to eat him alive. But Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, what did he do? He had the perspective of heaven. The Bible says that he gazed into heaven and he saw what? He saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You see, Stephen walked in heaven's perspective. And as a result, he was able to see beyond the lies. You didn't hear what I said. He walked in heaven's perspective. And as a result, he saw beyond the lies. He saw beyond the false accusations. He saw beyond the hate. He saw beyond the pain. He saw beyond the persecution. He saw beyond the attacks. And instead, he saw 
an open heaven. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to preach on an open heaven. Open heavens are all throughout the scripture. And you know what I believe and I decree over this place? There's an open heaven over this body of believers. You didn't hear what I said. If you could see through the lens of heaven, I promise you there's angels that are descending and ascending all over this sanctuary right now. And they got your answer. They got your healing. They got your breakthrough. They got your miracle. All you got to do is reach out and touch it. Reach out and receive it. I'm telling you, there's open heavens. He saw beyond the accusations, all beyond the lies and the attacks. I'm telling you, when you get the perspective of heaven, you'll stop focusing on what they're doing against you, what they're saying about you, how they betrayed you, how they stabbed you in the back, how they abandoned you, how they neglected you. And you will see, just as Stephen did, you'll see an open heaven above you, surrounding you. And not only did he see an open heaven, but the Bible says he saw the glory of God. He saw the glory of God. Can I remind somebody today that we've been declaring and decreeing over this body since the very beginning of this year of 2023 that this is the year of the reset in this reset we're getting back to what we're getting back to glory can I tell you when you get the perspective of heaven besides seeing the the wars and the rumors of wars besides seeing the disease and the pestilence and what the kingdom of darkness is doing you'll see the glory of God that is covering the earth as the waters cover the sea I'm telling you God's doing far more than what the enemy is doing he saw the glory and last but not least I find this very interesting listen to me stand to your feet all over this place not only did he see an open heaven because of he had the perspective of heaven not only did he see the very glory of God because he had the perspective of heaven but there's an interesting detail in here that you'll miss if you're not careful the scriptures go on and say that Stephen, as he was being gnashed upon with the teeth of the council, and he was being stoned to the point of death, Stephen looked beyond all of that, all beyond the here and the now, and he saw an open heaven. He saw God's glory, and the Bible says that he saw Jesus himself. But notice the interesting detail. Every other account in the scriptures, after the ascension of Christ, after his death, burial, and resurrection, what did, what did it say that Jesus was going? What was going to be his position? He was going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Doing what? Making intercession for you and I as his sons and daughters. Don't you ever believe the lie of the enemy that nobody cares, that nobody's praying, that nobody's interceding. Jesus himself is praying for you. Every account says he was seated at the right hand of the Father. But this one account in Acts chapter 7 when the man of God, by the name of Stephen, was giving his life as a martyr for the gospel of Christ, was being stoned by the religious council, 
He saw an open heaven. He saw the glory of God. And guess what he saw Jesus doing? He was no longer seated at the right hand of the Father. But the Bible says that he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. What am I saying to you? That's the only time that you will see that reference that the man of God saw Jesus at his point of death, at his point of persecution, of martyrdom, that he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. What does that mean? When you are at the deepest, darkest point of your life, when you are under the heaviest persecution, the lies and the false accusations of the enemy and of people around you, when you are at your lowest, can I tell you what? It'll cause Jesus to get up off of his throne and to take notice about what you're going through, what they're saying about you, what you're facing. And not only will he sit there and intercede, but he'll stand up and I believe he's going to release angelic armies on your behalf. Believe that if you want. But he got the attention of Jesus to the point that he stood up. He took note of what was going on on the earth on that day with his son Stephen. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit wants to deposit within you heaven's perspective today. Some of you, you, you paralyzed by the things that's going on in the here and the now. You, you, you're ate up in fear and anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts because of the things that's going on right now in your life, in this current chapter. But I'm here to tell you, I believe there's about to be a deposit, a download of the perspective of heaven in your life, in your heart, in your spirit that's going to cause you to see beyond the here and the now, to see beyond the temporary things to see into eternity, to see the big picture, the whole picture of what God is doing.